Good morning. In today's headlines, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is set to launch his 2024 presidential campaign tonight. We share his teaser video and details about the announcement. The Illinois Attorney General's Office releases its sexual abuse report on the Catholic Church. It alleges over four times the amount of clergy previously named by the church. We have the details. LGBT-inspired clothing for newborns. Some parents are seeing red over a new fashion collection at Target. Find out what they suggest in response. The most powerful storm to strike U.S. Pacific territory in over two decades. Typhoon Mawar, a Category 4 hurricane, is poised to hit Guam today. The U.S. Surgeon General warns social media can have a profound risk on kids' mental health, and he's putting pressure on lawmakers and big tech companies. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning, and I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Wednesday, May 24th. Yeah, it looks like the presidential race is becoming a bit more interesting. Yep, we saw it coming. Yeah, I just hope they can keep the mudslinging to a minimum. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so while, the, you know, while you're getting out there and preparing for your day, you can pour yourself a cup of coffee because a contender is brewing up his bid. That's right. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is launching his 2024 presidential campaign tonight. That will be in a Twitter Spaces interview with Elon Musk at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. The Epic Times confirmed the plan with the DeSantis campaign press secretary. Twitter Spaces allows large groups of people to participate in a voice conversation. The feature doesn't currently support video. The platform will be used to pull questions in from audience. DeSantis's wife posted a teaser video about the bid on Twitter last night. They call it faith because in the face of darkness, you can see that brighter future. A faith that our best days lay ahead of us. But is it worth the fight? Do I have the courage? Is it worth the sacrifice? America has been worth it every single time. Now, DeSantis will be joining a crowded GOP field in an average of polls maintained by Real Clear Politics. Former President Trump held the lead yesterday with 56 points. DeSantis trailed in a distant second with 19 points. And speaking about former President Trump, his attorneys are requesting a meeting with Attorney General Merrick Garland. They say Trump is being treated unfairly. The lawsuit, the lawyer sent a letter to Garland yesterday it contrasted Trump's treatment with President Biden, his son Hunter, and the Biden family. In the letter, they say no U.S. president has ever been baselessly investigated in such an outrageous and unlawful fashion in the history of the country. They say they want to discuss the ongoing injustice being perpetrated by Garland's special counsel and his prosecutors and ask for the meeting at Garland's earliest convenience. Now on to the economy. Negotiations on raising the debt ceiling will resume today. This after the two sides failed to strike a deal during yesterday's negotiations. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has repeatedly sounded the alarm that the department's funds will dry up by June 1st, which could cause the government to default on its debts. Economists say such a default could cause a significant recession and royal global markets. House Republicans want to make cuts to bring federal spending back to 2022 levels. 
They are also calling for stricter work requirements for those on welfare. The White House is calling for an end to tax breaks for corporations and the rich. Here's what folks on Capitol Hill are saying. We've done too much, we've gone too far, and both sides created this problem, both sides need to fix it. We cannot continue to incur debt at these levels. We cannot continue to print new money at these levels. We believe they've been productive. We believe there is a space and an opportunity here to have a bipartisan, reasonable, reasonable budget agreement. We have to address the primary drivers of the U.S. debt ratio, which are the 2017 Trump tax cuts. Making a deal is just the first step. It then has to be turned into legislation. House members then get 72 hours to study the bill before voting on it. After that, it's on to the Democratic-controlled Senate before finally reaching President Biden for a signature. More news from D.C. Emotional scenes at a congressional hearing yesterday highlighted the real-life impact of illegal immigration. Meanwhile, a group of lawmakers from both sides of the aisle are introducing an immigration reform bill. And today's Ariane Pastar has the latest on border policy. If we had stricter border policies, my daughter would still be alive today. Nothing will bring my daughter back. Tammy Nobles is the mother of Kayla Hamilton. Kayla was allegedly murdered by an MS-13 gang member who entered the country illegally. At a Tuesday hearing, Nobles told the story of how someone entered her daughter's home last year and strangled her to death. Their murderer then violently sexually assaulted Kayla. Kayla's boyfriend came home from work and found her dead on the floor. A report released by the House Judiciary Committee on Tuesday found that years before coming to the U.S., the alien charged with Kayla's murder was arrested in El Salvador for illicit association with the dangerous MS-13 gang. We need to properly vet all border crossers. The government could have placed a phone call to authorities in El Salvador and found out that he was a gang member, but they didn't. Republicans at the hearing called for stricter controls and more vetting at the border. Democrats doubled down on processing centers in Latin American countries. This way, migrants could seek asylum and be vetted while still in their home country. Also on Tuesday, a group of bipartisan lawmakers introduced what they call the first bipartisan, complete bipartisan immigration reform law in the, in the last 10 years. Republican Congresswoman Maria Salazar says the so-called Dignity Act aims to give more funding to Border Patrol as well as supply technology create humanitarian campuses along the border where migrants would receive an asylum decision within 60 days, require the use of E-Verify, an online system that checks whether an employee is legally authorized to work, fund processing centers in Latin America for migrants to seek asylum, and make more green cards and visas available. However, the bill is not expected to pass, as House Republicans said they first want to increase security at the border before passing immigration reform. Meanwhile, House Republicans on Tuesday said the Halt-Fentanyl Act will be introduced this week. Lawmakers say it would supply law enforcement with the tools needed to keep fentanyl off our streets. The White House this week welcoming the decision, saying the act aims at things which the administration has long supported. Ariane Pastar, NTD News. Terrible what happened to that family. New York City Mayor Eric Adams asked a judge to let the city suspend its right to shelter obligation yesterday. He says officials are no longer able to house every homeless person because of the influx of illegal immigrants. The right to shelter has been in place for over 40 years in New York. It requires the city to provide temporary housing for every homeless person who asks for it. 
But Adams says around 70,000 immigrants have arrived since last spring. Many crossed into the U.S. from Mexico illegally. The mayor says it's in everyone's best interest to be upfront and honest and that the city cannot single-handedly provide care for all of them. He's asking the state and federal government for help. Adams has been critical of the Biden administration for not providing more funding. The most powerful storm to hit U.S. Pacific territory in decades. Typhoon Mawar is expected to strike Guam with the wind force of a Category 4 hurricane today. You can't go out back without getting wet. Residents have been ordered to evacuate low-lying areas and to be prepared. Guam is home to around 170,000 people, including U.S. military personnel. Most of the island was without electricity this morning. A U.S. Army serviceman tweeted out this video. He told us it's one of the most severe storms he's witnessed in his life and that visibility had dropped to around 15 yards. Wind speeds up to 150 miles per hour are anticipated. Forecasters predict storm surges up to 10 feet above normal high tide as the storm approaches. President Biden signed an emergency declaration yesterday and ordered federal assistance for response efforts. The Illinois Attorney General's Office released its report on Catholic Church sexual abuse yesterday. It found over 450 Catholic clergy sexually abused nearly 2,000 children in the state over roughly 70 years. That's over four times the amount of clergy named by the church when the investigation started in 2018. The state's attorney general says many of the alleged abusers will never see justice in a legal sense, but he, he hopes the report will shine a light on those who violated their positions of power and trust and church leadership who covered up the abuse. He says naming them publicly is intended to provide accountability and a measure of healing to survivors who suffered in silence. Here's the Attorney General yesterday. This report reveals the names and detailed information of 451 Catholic clerics and religious brothers who abuse at least 1,997 children across all of the diocese in the state of Illinois. The nonprofit organization Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests, or SNAP, put out a statement yesterday following the release. It said the state's numbers are most likely understated. Senator Rick Scott issued a travel advisory yesterday for socialists visiting Florida. It states Florida is openly hostile to socialists, communists, and those who enable them. Scott added the situation is far more dangerous for socialists in South and Central Florida. He says that's because the large population of Cubans and Venezuelans living there have direct knowledge and experience of the horrors of socialism. The advisory appears to be a joke in response to a travel advisory recently issued by the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, or NAACP. It claims Florida has become hostile to black Americans under current leadership. The claim did not provide any evidence or examples. And after the break, cyber attacks, intellectual property theft, forced labor, and transnational repression. Hear what officials had to say about threats from the Chinese Communist Party at a hearing yesterday. And a new line of kids' LGBT-inspired clothing at Target has parents up in arms. And the retailer's collaboration with a clothing designer who has expressed satanic views is in Helping Matters. Get the story in just a minute.
Cyber attacks, intellectual property theft, forced labor, and transnational repression. A House subcommittee yesterday held a hearing on the threats of the Chinese Communist Party. Here are the details. A House Homeland Security subcommittee held a hearing on combating the aggression of the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, on Tuesday. Officials from the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI offered their testimonies, listing the CCP's threats to U.S. national security. The PRC is our only competitor with both and the intent to reshape the international order and increasingly the economic, diplomatic, military and technological power to do so. The witnesses highlighted the Chinese regime's economic espionage, cyber attacks, use of forced labor in China and the targeting of dissidents outside of China. The DHS officials said the CCP poses a range of threats to the U.S. across different vectors. In addition to addressing these very real homeland security concerns, the department also recognizes that these are threats posed by the PRC government and not the people of China or of Chinese origin. The department condemns all forms of anti-Asian hate and discrimination and actively works with these communities to ensure their protection. The witnesses also noted that the Chinese regime doesn't just use a whole-of-government approach when conducting intelligence and influence operations in the U.S. Or through its national security laws, the PRC could compel organizations and citizens to comply with state intelligence efforts, thereby expanding its whole-of-government effort to a whole-of-society effort targeting the homeland. To meet these challenges, DHS remains committed to sharing information with our partners to mitigate threats to the homeland. The Office of Intelligence and Analysis. The Deputy Assistant Director of Counterintelligence from the FBI shares that assessment. The greatest long-term threat to our nation's ideas, innovation, and economic security is the foreign intelligence and economic espionage threat from China. It's a threat to our economic security and, by extension, our national security. The Chinese government aspires to equal or surpass the United States as a global superpower and influence the world with a value system shaped by undemocratic authoritarian ideas. The DHS and FBI officials said they are committed to addressing the threats posed by the CCP and working with Congress on the issue. Staying on the topic of China, families torn apart. A brutal suppression of faith in China has changed the lives of millions, including some living in the U.S. And today's Iris Tao was on Capitol Hill. So please help my father and help the people under the persecution in China. At a congressional hearing, you heard from several U.S. residents whose family members are being persecuted in China because of their faith. Let's take a listen. Ten years ago, my mom was behind the bars, and my father was trying his best to save my mom. And ten years later, my father is behind bars. My mom and I are trying our best to save my father. Zhou Yu is an engineer and a popular YouTuber living here in the U.S. His dad was recently sentenced to eight years in prison for practicing Falun Gong, a meditation practice based on the values of truthfulness, compassion and tolerance. But the Chinese Communist Party deemed the practice's popularity a threat and they launched a campaign of persecution that's led to millions being detained and tortured throughout the past two decades. Our family remained separate. And he's not the only one. Lydia Wang wants to rescue her mom, who was arrested 11 times in China for holding on to her faith. She has suffered for 24 years under the CCP's persecution and has been in prison over 10 years since 1999. We would like to bring her home to New York. This is not something that just affects people 
in China. And Congressman Gus Villarakis of Florida, who convened this briefing, calls on the U.S. Congress to do more to help. No person should ever be intimidated, forced from their ancestral homeland, imprisoned, or murdered because of simply because of their beliefs. We've just begun to fight. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Iris Tao, NTD News. Coming up after the break, angry parents are calling for a boycott of Target. They say the store's LGBT-inspired clothing line for kids and infants is inappropriate. And the U.S. Surgeon General has a warning about social media and the profound risk it can have on kids' mental health. Those stories after the break. Good to have you back. You're just in time for some controversy. Calls to boycott Target have been gathering steam on social media. Parents and others are fired up over the retailer's line of LGBT clothing and accessories for kids, including newborn children. Entity's Daniel Monahan has more on the collection and reactions to it. Target recently released its so-called Pride Collection for 2023. The collection includes shirts with messages like queer and live, laugh, lesbian. The clothing line also has onesies for infants that feature pro-LGBT content in sizes zero to three months. Some feature text such as being proud or LGBT rainbows and hearts along with the transgender flag colors, while multiple items of toddler clothing come affixed with pride labels. I'm sorry, but pride and toddler don't belong in the same sentence. Target is also selling child LGBT books, including Queer Year and others. We have glad you came out, and I'm so happy that you're queer in the kids section. The retailer offers many LGBT accessories targeted at kids as well. Mom says I'm supposed to be more organized. And so-called tuck-friendly swimwear. The Pride collection at Target includes clothing made by a company based in England whose designer has shared satanic views. The company Abpralin is headed by a transgender man called Eric. Eric wrote on Abpralin's Instagram page last year, being called a demon is something I can cope with, and the idea of a trans demon is pretty damn cool. Most of my work focuses on gothic or dark and satanic imagery juxtaposed with bright colors and LGBT plus positive messages. One of the slogans found on the company's t-shirts and pins is, Satan respects pronouns. Target CEO Brian Cornell recently spoke about the backlash against so-called woke companies, saying, I think those are just good business decisions, and it's the right thing for society, and it's the great thing for our brand. On Tuesday, multiple Target locations in the South reportedly moved some of their Pride products away from the front of the store in response to the backlash. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. NTD reached out to Target to comment on the calls for a boycott. The retailer didn't respond by broadcast time. Right, and that satanic stuff, that was a little crazy, man. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we saw what happened to Bud Light after they associated with a transgender activist, so that's if that's right. any indication. Yeah, let's see what happens. Now, moving on, the U.S. Surgeon General warns social media can have a profound risk on kids' mental health, and he's putting pressure on lawmakers and big tech companies to actually do something to protect them. Here's the story. 
A new warning from the highest level, a youth mental health crisis unfolding before our eyes. Social media can pose a profound risk of harm to the mental health and well-being of children and adolescents. That's according to a 25-page advisory from the U.S. Surgeon General. Earlier this year, Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy warned of the unfair matchup. You're pitting a child against the world's greatest product designers, and that's just not a fair fight. Nearly every U.S. teenager is on social media. Up to 95% of kids ages 13 to 17 report using social media, with more than a third using it all the time. Kids must typically be 13 to register on social media apps, but nearly 40% of children ages 8 to 12 use it anyway. I think that it's a time, you know, early adolescence, where kids are developing their identity, their sense of self, and the skewed and often distorted environment of social media often does a disservice to many of those children. The advisory concluded, we do not yet have enough evidence to determine if social media is sufficiently safe for children and adolescents, calling for more research. But it did cite studies which found increased risk of anxiety and depression, poor sleep, online harassment, and low self-esteem. The time I spent looking at all these attractive people doing amazing things in amazing places, Getting disappointed by my own life is never something I want to be doing, especially when I have the power to change it, but I just wasn't because I was spending hours on this app. Some experts say TikTok has the stickiest and most addicting algorithm, keeping people on the app longer. Last year, TikTok users spent an hour and a half per day on the app on average, more than any other social media platform. This as Montana becomes the first state to ban the social media app on all devices, prompting TikTok to sue. I don't want to speak for all parents. I think it's very important that parents make their individual decisions with their, with their children. But for me personally, I'm very comfortable with my children getting more involved with uh, understanding technology at an early age. TikTok, Snapchat and Instagram have parental controls that can monitor teens' screen time and content. But experts say the oversight should begin at home. It's important when possible for parents and caregivers to really model how they would like their children to utilize social media. U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, the country's spokesperson on public health, says that social media is a threat to kids. This comes as governments around the world try to get kids to stop bypassing age limit checks. Yeah, and Evelyn, it's not a, very hard for a teenager to just say he was born in 1984 or something when creating a social media account. That's right. So what is the best way to stop children from bypassing age limits? We ask the experts. Preteens aren't supposed to be on social media. But it's extremely easy for them to lie about their age and get in. But this may change. Governments are proposing laws that would force social media companies to improve their age verification standards. France has a bill that would require social media companies to have a technical age verifying solution, as well as parental consent for anyone under 15. The bill has passed the lower house of parliament. The UK proposed a bill called the Online Safety Bill. It would also require age checking measures. In Canada, Instagram is testing out facial age estimation technology. Users will record a selfie, and Instagram's technology will verify whether that user is indeed over 13. It's kind of a double-edged sword with tech companies. They could put means in there to validate someone's age. The problem is what happens if and when social media is compromised and hacked. Scott Schober is a cybersecurity expert at BVS Inc. He says there are all kinds of ways to verify someone's age, such as providing a birth certificate, driver's license, or facial recognition. But he believes these methods aren't worth the risk 
because hackers may get your data and steal your identity. When it comes to social media, he believes good parenting is the main solution, but new technologies may be able to provide a technical solution. There's a number of new technologies such as zero knowledge protocols that can help address uh, uh, things from a security standpoint to ensure anonymization from a, a broad uh, standpoint as well. Chris Duffy is the head of AI strategy at Adobe. He says zero-knowledge protocols are an evolution of blockchain technology. The user will be able to provide his or her age to the social media firm without actually providing the explicit data. Rather, the age is verified through sophisticated math computations and algorithms. Still, Duffy says, there is no bulletproof way to protect data, but he says it's more important to add more and more layers of protection as technology becomes a bigger and bigger part of our lives. Yeah, I know social media has been a big issue for parents and everything, and even TikTok CEO, his kids can't use the app because there's minor protection laws in Singapore where they live, so. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. How do you that's... keep yourself free from just getting trapped on social media? You know, it's difficult. And I heard even, you know, people that, like those that actually invented the algorithm, they have to invent now something that helps them get off of it because it's it's that, yeah, it's, you just kind of fall into the trap. They need but an I, antidote. I, yeah, exactly. Wow. Just get out more. It's <laughs> a good idea. Sounds easy, but anyway, that's all for today's program. We'd love to hear from you at goodmorning at ntd.com. Shoot us an email if you'd like. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn. And I'm Kevin Hogan.